Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful. Acts chapter number one is where we'll be. Acts chapter number one. I want to thank you. Thank your pastor and his wife for allowing us to be here and, and um, just want to echo his words of what a great friend I've been to him. And I'm just kidding. Um, just so thankful for the privilege to be here with you and uh, this church. And um, um, man, I, I'm just shocked about the music right now. So you're just going to have to give me a little break here. Um, you guys are blessed here. To have the music that you have. Because um, if I was here, you wouldn't hear that on the piano. Everyone, that's amazing. Praise the Lord for that. Even Robert, you can sing too. That's a shocker, but you can sing. That's good. I love Robert. And, uh, but praise the Lord. I'm overwhelmed. That was just a blessing. Um, and so we're just blessed to be here. And we love Moses Lake Baptist Church and, um, and you folks here. And so thankful to see this place um, uh, start and just see what God's done here, filling this place and, and using Pastor Dennis and his wife and their family. You have a wonderful pastor. And I want to encourage you to get behind him and his wife and their children. And you need to support them and love them, pray for them, buy them Corvettes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, just take good care of them because God puts good people in your life for a reason. And uh, sometimes if we're not careful, we can take them for granted. And uh, so you have it really good here. God's been good to you. And uh, we're from Goldendale, Washington. And uh, if you ever wanna come through a town with one stoplight and about 3,400 people, um, it's kind of a farming, ranching community, and uh, we'd love to have you, and uh, we're so thankful for what God's doing there. Uh, but I want to get right into the Word of God this morning. Once again, I hope that I could be a help to you, um, and, um, and so if you can and you're able, if you'd stand, we'll read just a, a couple of verses, um, and we'll get right into the passage of Scripture. Acts chapter 1, and... Um, in verse 6, the Bible says, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of, to Israel? He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Father, we do come to you this morning again. I pray you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, help me to preach with clarity. Hide me behind your cross, that I may be able to speak with us, saith the Lord. Lord, your word will not return void, as you say. I pray we leave this place with a greater urgency, with a greater passion to see people saved. God, I pray you'd help us this morning with that. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. As Pastor Dennis did say, please don't hold it against me that I live with Brother McCracken. Um, 
believe me, it wasn't by choice. <laughs> I was the best kid in my family, therefore my parents told me to move away. <laughs> um, it was a blessing, and I'm uh, thankful for it, and I love Brother McCracken. We just had him come preach a revival uh, for us, and so it was a real blessing. And uh, <clears throat> anyways, enough of that, man. Uh, <laughs> I want to um, preach on obviously reaching people with the gospel this morning, but I hope you could see and maybe consider some things that I think are important in the book of Acts. You know, the book of Acts is not so much about the men in the book of Acts, but the God of the book of Acts. And that really is who, in fact, the Bible, it's not so much about the men and women in the Bible, while those are important for us. But the Bible would be nothing if God wasn't the author of it. And so that's, that's who we need to acknowledge and, and look at today. And so I hope that you would consider some thoughts with me this morning. Here is the beginning of the book of Acts. And uh, we're preaching through the book of Acts at our church Sunday morning. And, and, um, but the work of Christ uh, gave to these men, that, that Christ gave to these men, um, was... Uh, just by, just maybe give you a little history, all Christ was telling these men to do was to just do the things that Jesus already began. So when we come to this passage of Scripture, there was some things that Jesus began to do and to teach, and Jesus was saying that when you come together, um, that when you come together, just do these things that I've already taught you. And well, what, what was the things that Jesus taught them? Well, he gave them the right message, didn't he? Come on. The message of the gospel without Jesus is nothing. And so God just told these men, listen, the right message is this. Preach Christ. Tell them that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father by, but by me. So preach that to people. Tell people who I am. Tell people the truth. Tell people the gospel. Um, and, and, and the Bible tells us this, that he gave them the right message. And then he tells them this, not just to have the Holy Spirit, but be filled with the Spirit. It's one thing to have the Holy Spirit. It's another thing to be filled with the Holy Spirit so you can do the work of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, many times in the Christian life, we can, we can do the work of God, but we can do the work of God without God himself. And we can just go through that life without the power of God. And so, man, he just encourages them that way. And as we move through chapter number one, we, we really come to what I would think a, a very incredible passage of scripture in the sense that it sets the stage for what the book of Acts is all about. Uh, it kind of just sets that foundation, and it's this, the power to be a witness, the power to be a witness. Acts is a lot um, about picking up where Jesus left off and doing the work of God through the help of the Holy Spirit. We come to verse six. And the disciples, once again, which they're very good at, they present Jesus or they ask Jesus a question. The disciples always ask Jesus questions. How many of you figure that out? Every time you turn around, they're asking him questions, which I guess if you want to know things, you probably should ask questions. So they ask an incredible question. Notice what your Bible says. Lord, um, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? So let's consider this question. Lord, at this time, um, the Bible tells us, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus, will you restore the kingdom to Israel 
again. And we don't have time, but you could write down Matthew chapter number 24, the parable of the fig tree, and, and we could spend some time there, but we're not this morning just because I want to get through some of the points. Um, and in Matthew chapter number 24, the point is, is that no one knows when the Lord is going to return. I mean, come on, nobody knows. I mean, if you have someone come up here and says, on September of 2019 at three o'clock on this day, Jesus will return, then you yell at him and you say, you are a false teacher. Because nobody knows. Come on, people have tried to predict it. There have been, in fact, there's one guy, he tries to predict it ever so often, and guess, guess his percentage rate, what it's been so far. Bam. He's been wrong every time. And he's getting ready to predict it again. And the Bible says no man knows when the Son of Man will come. Nobody knows when the Lord will return. And so the point is, Jesus is telling them that no one knows when God is coming but the Father. And here's what the point is when you read Matthew chapter number 24. The point is, it's not to know when. The point is to be ready so when he does come, you're ready. In other words, the, the whole point is don't spend your life um, trying to find the answer to questions that you'll never have the answer to. Lord, I can just see this. I'm a spiritual educated man. Lord, when will you restore the kingdom to Israel again? And in essence, Jesus just looks at him. Well, if I was Jesus, I would say this. That's a stupid question. <laughs> Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus is a lot nicer than me. And he says, well, it's, it's not for you to know. The average human will go, oh, well, we are your disciples. And Jesus says, it's not, it's not for you to know when I'm coming back. But that's God's job. In other words, God knows when I'm coming back. God knows when he's coming back. Consider some things as we move forward in this past scripture in light of its context, okay? Number one, um, we can't really blame them for the question um, because while it's in our minds a bad question, could it be a legitimate question? You know, I, I, I don't know where that balance is. Nevertheless, regardless is, they ask the question. I think what Jesus' Jesus's response is more important than the question that they asked. And when we think about some things, we, we get some things that we must listen to Christ's response. And so Christ just says, it's not for you to know, this is the secret of God. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 and 2 says this, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Does everyone see that there? I mean, when, when you read that, the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in light. In other words, you don't know when he's coming back. You don't know when the Lord will come back. It'll be like this. In fact, it'll be faster than that. The disciples were answer, ask, trying to ask this question, when are you going to restore the king? When are you coming back? Well, so Christ says, in other words, notice what he says in verse number seven. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. The idea or teaching we want to try to reveal here to us this morning is that 
it's unbiblical and foolish to try to predict when the Lord will, will come back. I said it's unbiblical and foolish to spend your days trying to predict when the Lord will come back. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, Christ just tells them, it's not your responsibility. It's not your responsibility to know when the kingdom will be restored. In other words, stay with me here, it's not what you should be focusing on. It's not what you should exhaust your life worrying about. It's not what you should consume your brain with. Now, I would imagine in this room, you all probably don't every day go, I think the Lord's coming back in five minutes. Let's see. I just don't think that this crowd does that. I think that this crowd probably has thought about, Lord, I wonder when you're coming back. Wonder when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel. But I think the valuable lesson or the principle Jesus is trying to get into these men's minds is this. Don't spend your life focusing on things that the answer for you is not for you, it's for God. In other words, and I hope this makes sense this morning, don't spend your days trying to figure out stuff that you'll never know the answer to because the answer is not up to you. In other words, God was saying to these disciples and these apostles, I have a greater purpose for you than to know when I'm going to restore the kingdom of God back to Israel. There's something greater than that. There's something bigger than that. Um, I have a greater purpose for you than for you to exhaust your days trying to unravel the secret future prophecy events. Oftentimes, I'll get calls to meet with me. Pastor, can we talk? Well, absolutely. I'm out here at so-and-so or come out to the ranch or I'll meet you at church or whatever. And often or occasionally, the conversation goes like this. Well, what do you think about the end times? So I'm looking at my watch and I'm thinking, well, number one, the Lord's going to return back at any moment. Number two, I'm a man, and I know what the Bible says, but all the deep hidden things of God that you think you know about, I don't have a clue about. So I'm not going to spend the next three hours of my day trying to come up with answers that I'll never find out. What do you think about the mark of the beast? Well, what do you think it is? I had some guy say, yeah, I think it's the QR code. I don't even know what it is. It's a QR code. And I'm thinking, how many, how many hours of night, how many nights of sleep have you lost for something that means nothing? What do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And what color of this? And what about that? And, 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 and what about this? And then, and, then, and then sometimes the conversation just goes like crazy all over the place. And you get done and you feel, you feel dirty because you've wasted God's time about something that you won't even come to the conclusion of the answer until you get to heaven. And what does it matter anyways? So sometimes in the Christian life, we can get so caught up on all the things that we don't know that we forget that we should just stick to the stuff that we should know. Why, why do we think it's our job 
to try to be smarter than God? Why do, you think it, why do we think it's our job to be more intellectual in the end times or whatever? Listen, it's not just about, it's whatever, right? We Christians sometimes spend their days worrying and trying to come up with answers over silly things that you know what, when we get to heaven one day we'll look back and go, why did I waste my time thinking that through? Why did I waste my time giving myself to that? Should I do this? Should I do that? Well, listen, go to the Bible and it's very clear. But don't read into the Bible. Come on. Don't read into the Bible. Don't make the Bible say something that it doesn't. The Bible is what it is. Don't remove one jot or one tittle. But to come up with the, whenever you hear someone say, the deeper things of God, run from that. Because you, listen, when it comes to the word of God, your pastor can, can, can receive no more revelation than you could do it yourself. I can't know more about the things of God than you couldn't open up the Bible and read it for yourself and study it for yourself. I'm a firm believer today that the average Christian just reads the Bible, but we ought to, as Christians, study the Bible. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's not enough to read the Bible. You gotta study it. Or you'll find yourself wondering about the deeper things of God. And in the end, coming up with no answer. So here's what Jesus says. Here's what Jesus says. Don't spend your days trying to figure out something that you'll never know until you get to heaven. Jesus isn't saying that it's a dumb question. He just gives them the value of the truth. In fact, if you spend your entire life, think of this, if you spend your entire life trying to unlock the hidden things you think are found in the Bible, and you never take time to lead someone to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, what have you done? Let me answer that for you with the follow-up answer. Nothing. You've done nothing. You've done absolutely nothing for eternity. Well, Pastor, I know the book of Revelation. I got it memorized, and I know the end times, and I know, I know when the Lord is this, and I know this, and this, and this. Oh, great, great. When's the last time you led someone to Jesus Christ? What will matter more, you knowing all that or someone knowing him? I would think the greatest decision someone ever could make is knowing Jesus. And Jesus is just helping them see the value of that because we understand that in verse number eight. In fact, look what he says. But, okay, that changes the tone here, right? So when are you gonna restore the kingdom of, uh, back to Israel? Jesus says, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. This is not for you to know. This is God's job for you to know. But here's what I'm going to tell you you should do. But ye shall receive power. That word power, is, in the Greek we get the word dunamos, which we get our English word what? Dynamite. You shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. And ye shall be witnesses. You see, the way God intended his power to be used is not for you to gain more knowledge of answers you can't come up with, but God's power was intended to get the gospel out. I'm not saying knowing more about the Bible and knowing and those things are, are, 
are, are useless. I'm saying if all you do is spend your life consumed with answers that you'll never come up with, the, 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 the things that God, doesn't, that God is, doesn't say in his word, and you have failed to utilize God's power the way he intended it to be used, you'll be wasting your life. God didn't tell the disciples and the apostles to go, to go find out more deeper things and hidden things and the secret things. Do you know what he says? I'm going to give you power to be filled with the Holy Ghost to be a witness for me, to share the gospel, to the power of witnessing. I want you to consider it with me. A witness, a witness. Jesus says, I have one purpose for you, and the power that you will receive will allow you to fulfill that one purpose in your life, and it's this, to be a witness. To be a witness. A witness simply tells what he or she has seen and heard. In fact, he tells or she tells what happened. Um, so what is a witness? Well, what Jesus is telling these men is this, just tell them what you've seen me do. How many of you think these men have saw some pretty incredible things? Uh, yeah. Well, let's equate it to our life. How many of you have seen Jesus do some incredible things in your life? Yeah. When it comes to the gospel, there are good questions to ask when reaching people with the gospel. Sometimes some questions are kind of scary for people, like if you were to die today, are you 100% sure that heaven would be your home? I don't think that's a bad question. I think that's a good question for people to think about. But what about this? Can I tell you what Jesus did in my life? Here's where I was, and here's what he did in my life, and he changed me. And you, I gotta tell you about him. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? And all Jesus was saying is, go tell them what you've seen me do. And the power that I'll put on you will allow you not to, listen, what we see here in the book of Acts it just, listen, the power that God gave them didn't just reach three people. In fact, at one time, 3,000 people got saved. That's some powerful stuff. At one time, 5,000 people got saved. Well, that's some big, powerful stuff. People coming who were lost, and now they come in contact with the Savior, 5,000 plus, and God is changing their lives. That's the kind of power that God is talking about. And so Jesus says, you will be witnesses unto me because that's where my power is. In fact, it's the Holy Spirit, listen, who does the pleading and who calls for the verdict. Does this make sense? You can't save anybody. That's God's job. You, you can't even, you're not smart enough to even break into the minds of someone because that's God's job. God does all that. But you know what our job is? You know where the power comes from? When we witness. When we tell people what Jesus has done in our lives. So where is that? Well, look what the Bible says very briefly. He says, the Holy Ghost come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. God gives them what I would think the master plan for evangelism. If you want to reach people with the gospel, if a church wants to be biblical about it, then verse 8 is probably as close as, as you're going to get to how a church should reach people with the gospel. Number one, he says, to be a witness in Jerusalem. 
Well, where was Jerusalem? What was Jerusalem to them? Well, it was where they lived. Could I say it like this? And I think this is something we have to think about. If we get Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth out of order, then we've really missed what God intended for the gospel. Let me just say it to you like this. Your first priority, your first priority to be a witness to is your own family. Could you imagine reaching the world and your family die and go to hell? Our, 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 our first place, our first place should be like my children, should be your grandchildren, should be your nephews, your family. And then what God says is, that, listen, one of the strongest units on this earth outside of the church is the family. And our witnessing should start in the home. When we reach our family, there's this expansion, the community. There's people around you. Hey, we ought not go try to reach Japan. I'm not saying not to, but we shouldn't put all of our eggs in Japan when we have people right here in Moses Lake that need the gospel. I'm not saying don't go reach Japan. I'm saying don't forget this place. Don't forget your family. Because if you don't reach your family, but you reach Japan, you're really missing out on what God intended. Sure. And so reach Jerusalem. Evangelize your own. Be a witness. Then I think of Judea. Evangelize their own country. So they're spreading the gospel. The power of the gospel begins to spread. So as we reach our community, God gives us the, the power to reach our country. And man, if people say we live in a Christian nation, we are slipping out of that. And America doesn't need any more programs. America doesn't need any more classes. America needs Jesus. Amen. They need the gospel. That's what will change lives. The pure gospel, the truth, the love of Jesus Christ, that's what changes lives. And when the, com when the community is reached, then the country is reached. And then God says the gospel will spread to the uttermost part of the world. But there's an order in that. I'm not saying don't do one or the other. I'm saying do all those in the right balanced order. And you'll find the power of God in your life. Hey, listen. Just because you give money to missionaries doesn't mean you're a witness. You don't get a free ticket out of being a witness just because you give to missionaries. Just because, listen, just because you're a good person as a Christian, it does, you don't get the get out of jail free card. You don't have to witness. God called us to be a witness. It's God's calling. It's where he exhibits and displays his greatest power when some life is changed. And ye shall be witnesses in Samaria, their continent, the uttermost part of the earth. You know, it's interesting when you read the book of Acts that it turned out that no one really was willing to take the first move. And the Holy Spirit sent Philip, who was a deacon. And what's interesting, it wasn't until revival broke out that the other apostles showed up. And they wanted in on some of the action, right? Well, man, all these people couldn't say, we better go. But you know what God is looking for? Just one. Just go, be a witness. Be a witness to the uttermost part of the earth. The responsibility to reach regions and beyond. 
So I want to say it to you like this, just by way of application. These disciples, Lord, when are you going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? Well, that's not for you to know. It's not a bad question, but it's not for you to know. It's a bad question to me, not to God. It's not for you to know. Um, because it's God's job, and God knows when he's going to return. I want to say this to you before we move on. God knows when he's going to return, and can I encourage you to be ready before he does? You say, well, I'm going to wait till tomorrow. Listen, you may not have tomorrow. The Bible says life is but a vapor. It appears for just a little time and then vanishes away. You don't have enough time. If you're not saved today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says today is the day of salvation and no greater day than to come to know Jesus than in this moment. You didn't come here by accident. God is sovereign and God led you here. And if you're not saved today, the Lord could come back like that. And listen, Jesus died for you. He loves you. He, listen, he will forgive you of your sin if you put your faith and trust in him. The greatest decision you'll ever make in your life is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. No, Jesus is not about religion. He's about a relationship. You don't, listen, you don't go to heaven because you come to church. You don't go to heaven because you've been baptized. You don't go to heaven because you've been a member of a church. You go to heaven because you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, you, you could be saved and not get baptized and still go to heaven. But a person that is saved follows the Lord and believers' baptism. But I'm just telling you, if you're not saved today, you don't know when the Lord's coming back. And it'd be real sad, and it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be hard for you not to accept Jesus and the Lord come back, and you had your moment. You had your chance, and God's doing this. And he's saying, hey, I'm talking to you. You're not ready, but you need to get ready because I'm coming back soon. And here's, here's what I know, okay? When I was a kid, Dr. Dennis J. Brown was my pastor, and here's what he said. In an old, in an old 80, I think he's 84, in an old raspy voice. The Lord's coming back real soon. He said that when I was a kid, when I was like in the second grade. Well, he died. And you know what his son said? The Lord's coming back real soon. And then I went, we moved. And do you know what that pastor said as I was growing up? The Lord's coming back real soon. Do you know what I've heard all my life? The Lord's coming back real soon. It just makes me think, if he was coming back real soon then, I wonder what like now is going to be like. All I would tell you is this, he's coming back real soon. Uh, he's coming back at any moment. In fact, I think he's a little closer now than he was at any moment. And so if you're not saved today, get saved. I want to say it to you like this. Also, it's a wonderful thing when a church sees the value of reaching people with the gospel. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to be a part of. Um, I love your theme. If you want to be consumed, be consumed with the gospel. Let that consume you. If you really want to love people, love them with the gospel. 
If you, want to, if you really want to be loving to others, love them with the gospel. Um, last time I checked in Goldendale, there's still people that aren't saved. I know, 3,400 people. There's still people that aren't saved. I would imagine there's still people here in Moses Lake that don't know Jesus. Um, how quickly our world would be reached for Christ if we truly took witnessing on a serious level. Um, there's value and power in the gospel. I think your pastor would probably echo every pastor prays and asks God that their church wouldn't fall into gospel complacency. That they wouldn't just exist, but that they would thrive and they would be passionate and burdened about reaching others with the gospel. If I can say it like this, not rude and weird. Normal and right. Don't be weird about reaching people. Don't be a jerk. In fact, there's a, there's a time where you can build relationships with people and God will use you that way. Um, and so, church, I wanna encourage you this morning, don't get complacent in your desire to reach people with the gospel. Don't settle in that. Ask God for his power. Let that consume you. There's some of you that have been praying for people for probably a lot of years and they're not saved yet, but can I tell you this? Through the power of prayer, God will one day reach them and they'll get saved. Um, and I promise you that's how God works. As a pastor, I think it's every pastor's burden that a church would, would stay away from trying to do the Lord's work in their own strength and do it in the power of God. Church, as you move forward, would you remember, don't get so consumed with doing the work of God that you forget his power while doing it. In order to do the work of God effectively, you need God to do it through you. Things may not always be mountaintop experiences, but it doesn't mean that God is not working. And so do things with the power of God. Um, I want to ask you a question this morning as we close. Do you have a burning desire to reach people with the gospel? And, and if you do, who are those people that come to mind? Who are those faces that you see? Because it's those faces that God is leading you to go talk to. And those people are dangling by the lifeline and they're waiting for somebody to tell them how much God loves them. And if we fall into this complacency, if we spend our days investing in things that we'll never know the answer to, and we miss the one thing God left his church on this earth to accomplish, then we've failed. I pray for Bible Baptist Church in Goldendale that when the Lord comes back, he would find that church doing that thing that Jesus died for, that that would be the central theme of the church. Not that anything else is lower of value, but if we are so consumed with everything else and we forget to reach people with the gospel, then what did Jesus die for? And we can't reach people with the gospel 
without the power of God. Question today is, do you crave the power? See, God wants to give it to you. And you have full access to it through the Son of God. May God help us through the power of God to reach our Jerusalem so that we could reach our city, so that we could reach our country, so that God would allow us to have a small part in reaching the world. If you're not saved today, do you know him? He loves you today. Would you come and trust Christ as your savior? Well, that's a decision you have to make with you and God. I hope that you'd make it today. Father, we love you. Lord, we come to you this morning. Lord, we can't do your work by ourselves. God, I pray this morning that we as believers would understand the value of spending our days reaching people with the gospel. Lord, I pray that Moses Lake Baptist Church would not grow complacent in their desire to share the gospel, but would ask you for power, would ask you for help. God, you'd use them in ways that only you can. Father, I pray for those in here in this room that do not know you as Savior, that today they would trust Christ and you'd change their life. You'd give them a reason to live. God, you've been good to us. Thank you for what you've called us to do. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation and a time for you to pray, and I'll have your pastor come. You may be here today and say, Lord, just, um, would you just pray for me? I don't know. I don't know where I'd spend eternity, and I just need some prayer. And you may say, would you just pray for me? And I don't want to embarrass anybody and nobody looking around, but maybe there's someone here this morning. Just quietly raise your hand and put it back down. I'm not saved. Would you just pray for me? Is anybody here like that? I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I don't know where I'd spend eternity. Amen. What a blessing to be in a room filled with saved people. Well, let me ask you this, Christian. Do you, are you consumed with the gospel? Is it, is it a burning desire to reach people with the gospel? Maybe this morning you need to come and ask God to help you have a burden to reach people the way that Jesus reached people. And instead of doing it in your own power, do it through his power. And may God help us to reach this world with Jesus. Pastor. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.